When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. the great Al in White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, September 24th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you do miss the live show, you can catch the replay the rest of the week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, found on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or really wherever you find your podcasts, or at LondonBridge.com. This week, we're all over the return of Tiger Woods to the top of the leaderboard. Week three of the NFL season with commentary on the biggest surprises and storylines from Sunday. We'll also recap week four in college football, run down our picks in this week's six-pack segment, give our best-case scenarios for our baseball teams in the wild card, and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? We don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in the world of sports, the NFL, college football, seemingly never disappoint. We're getting closer and closer to these wild card races and the AL and NL to be decided. But I know you're very excited today, and it's for a different reason It's not in a diamond, it's not on a field or a gridiron or a court, it's on the links. Tiger Woods, finally back atop the podium, finally putting that red polo to use in a victory. Is he back? Is this the start of the return? But at least for one day we can just enjoy. Tiger was back for this day and he was victorious once again. You're damn right he is. Uh, I mean, uh, this was finally what the golf world and a lot of us just plain old sports fans have been waiting for. That Sunday uh, with Tiger not in the mix, with Tiger starting atop the board. A three-stroke lead uh, coming into today against Roy McElroy and Justin Rose, uh, who won the FedEx championship uh, and you have for the first time ever in the final round, the pairing that everybody dreams of in this day and age, uh, Tiger against Roy McElroy um, with a three stroke lead, McElroy faltered, Rose faltered and Tiger was in the process of a hand ride home, but Billy Horschel put up a big number, got to nine under and even though it looked like he was in control, you got a little nervous the last couple holes, but he got it under control and uh, finished uh, at 11 under with a two-stroke lead in just, I mean, coming down the 18 fairway, and I thought Roy McElroy pulled an incredibly classy move. As they were coming down together, he ran up ahead. And he kind of got himself out of the picture so Tiger Woods could stride to the 18th green uh, all by his lonesome in terms of players in an absolute sea of humanity. And uh, from beginning to end, he was tied for the lead uh, 
with Justin Rose, I believe, after round one. And uh, he led this one the whole way and continued his streak where if he is uh, with a three-stroke lead going into the final round, uh, he has never lost, and that continued today. And anybody who is a sports fan uh, had to enjoy what they watched today because if you didn't watch, uh, what the hell else were you doing? I did not watch. And that was just so I can say that sentence on our show, get a little content going, get a little <laughs> take and argument going, a little debate. I was watching football and I didn't switch the channel, but I was keeping track on Twitter and online and did get to see everything just a little bit later than everybody else did. And seeing the crowds back, seeing them follow him like those once followed the Lord, or at least what we believe was to happen when the Lord would walk. His disciples would follow. Seas of people, as you mentioned. It was a sight to behold. And when that final putt went in, even though he missed the one that he wanted, the one a little bit farther away, the one he could have gave a little bit more of an exaltation for, raising those arms in triumph, you could hear the emotion in his voice afterward at the press conference. It, it, was, it was great to see. And the amazing part is there's fathers across the world telling their sons and daughters, that's the tiger that I know. That's the tiger that we grew up with. That's the tiger that we knew was a possibility and someone that could get back or at least close to what he once was. And, and it was great for golf. It's great for sports. We've mentioned on here before, now you cross your fingers and kind of wait to see what happens next, how the body well, recovers from this and where we go from here. Let's, let's just you know, put it to bed with this because, you know, we want to get to the NFL and NCAA because obviously football rules. But this Sunday, um, he put the final stamp on the fact that he is totally and completely back because he won the final tournament of the year as we go into the Ryder Cup. He was the best player in this tournament for four rounds in a tournament that had all the best players. Remember, this is the 30 top players. He went out and won that tournament from beginning to end. So this was not one of those, I don't want to call them half-baked, but, you know, a, a field that had some of the top players. This was the best field. This was only the top players. Uh, and he won it, and he was clearly the best player uh, the entire four days, and he played head-to-head -head with the best players, and he was clearly better than them all on the closing day where, again, he started with a three-stroke lead over Rose and McElroy and one going away against them. Horschel was the one who made it, uh, you know, close with his final run, I believe 66, uh, late to get to nine under uh, that put a little bit of a pressure on. But he was never really pressured uh, by Rose or by McElroy. He was clearly the better player today. Uh, and I think, uh, and hope, that there'll be more of this to come next year, which I think will just simply depend upon health because the way he played today and throughout this tournament, uh, he played brilliant golf. He putted unbelievably well. The best I've seen him putt in, since he was the Tiger. Uh, he just didn't miss a short putt. You know, if, if it was anything from, you know, three to eight feet for par, he made everyone, everyone in the center of the cup uh confident stroke he was great around the greens 
And it was a wonderful thing to see whether you dislike Tiger Woods, the person. See, I, I separate myself from the person. To me, it's all about, if when it comes to sports, it's about the sportsman. And Tiger Woods, the sportsman, is now fully back. And if you are a sports fan, that is tremendous. And the pay-per-view people have to be happy, too. With that big one-on-one -on -one against Phil Mickelson, little people were sketchy about how the competition would be, and maybe they're past their primes, and it won't be exciting. In a sense, they might have needed this, too. Have Tiger roll off a win, have him do his thing in the Ryder Cup, we assume will happen as well, and that could make it for quite the more compelling matchup come around Thanksgiving, and people, more people, will be shelling out some cash to see that exciting and fun matchup happen. But as you mentioned, the day on Sunday now and for the foreseeable future and until the snow starts to dry up at least a little bit is going to be football. And the NFL takes the center stage in the sports world once again. We saw some teams continue their undefeated seasons, some a little bit more surprising than others. Also saw some fall to 0-3 and in some way a spiral of their season, not where you want to be even at this early of a stage. Is there a game or two that stands out to you from this Sunday as a shock that either the team did as well as they did or the team did as poorly as they did? Well, I, I think that goes without saying, and it's you answered all, all in one game. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, who, by the way, let, let's give credit where credit is due. The young stud. JL at the top of his NFL selections at the Buffalo Bills plus 17. The biggest upset in 23 years in the NFL, the Bills who just looked moribund in the first two weeks of this season. Uh, Josh Allen, now their starter, it's official, go to Minnesota with their multi, multi, multi free agent million dollar quarterback who I have said time and time again is vastly overrated, but that's for later on in this conversation. No LaShawn McCoy. No LaShawn McCoy. Uh, and before you looked up, the 1-0-1 Minnesota Vikings were down 27 to nothing in their own building to what we thought was the worst team in football. So just when, if you thought, you knew something about the NFL. If you thought you could pick games, if you thought you had the lock this week in the survivor pool, <laughs> not so fast, my friend. It is just, uh, I mean, if ever there was an on any given Sunday football game, it had to be the one o'clock kick in, in Minnesota. I mean, just, I, I, them losing is enough of a shock. The fact that this was never a game. It was 27-0. You, if you got a late start, it was 27 you, What? What? What happened here? This isn't right. They, oh, they got the score on the wrong end? No. Do not adjust your sets. Don't adjust your phones. Don't adjust your apps. 27 nothing Buffalo Bills at Minnesota. 27-6 is your final. Yeah, this is the week that you would think you would get a good picture idea of 
who the teams will be that will probably find their way close to the top of their respective divisions or teams that you would say, okay, if they make the postseason, they have a chance to get hot and make a run. But it always seems like around this time this year when you're expecting that to happen, there's a game like this one and a couple across the slate of today as well that make you think, we don't know that team at all. Here's the Vikings. You think they're going to steamroll in a sense, and they're rolling on all cylinders incredibly early with a new quarterback. They haven't lost any steps with him back there, and then you get a game like this and a coming-out party for Josh Allen who looked like he deserved to be the number one pick, and it's a sin that he was sitting the bench for the Peter man, and we had to sit through him for a couple games. It was an incredible performance, but you take a step back and think, we still don't know anything about these teams. you got to wait next week to see how they respond. The Bills could easily go out next week and, again, lose by 30, and the Vikings could get back on track with another defensive game and eke another victory out. But for today, whenever you see that type of line where Vegas actually goes along with your mind and you think there's no way the Bills are going to win this week, they, they look awful. They're the worst team in the league. And Vegas says, you know what? Maybe you're right. It's usually not the case. And it was easy money in that sense. When there's a spread that large, you almost always see it go in favor of the team getting all those points. And they were up 17-0, the spread that a lot of people got the game at. It was over if, if you're a gambling man. Now, if you took the bills straight up, you, you might need a little uh, consultation because that would have been a little bit uh, egregious. However, if you took the points, you made if out okay. you took okay. the bills straight up, you're a better man than I. That's, that's for right. sure. That's because right. you had a windfall today. And if you took the uh, woe-begotten, uh, season is over, uh, our offensive line is a sieve. Uh, the much maligned whipping boy Eric Flowers is benched. Uh, if, if you took the New York football giants, uh, unlike yours truly, who uh, took the Texans in our NFL three-pack, uh, you are suddenly uh, almost right with the world. Uh, a good game for Peyton Manning, or excuse me, a good game for little brother Eli Manning. Uh, a, a terrific first half for the offense, a quiet second half, but just when it looked like they were in trouble, uh, down they feel that took the game away. Uh, the now winless 0-3 Houston Texans with their great young quarterback that everybody loves so much, who I think is vastly overrated. Uh, and again today, uh, proved that he is still not at least fully back, so to speak. And I'm still not convinced that he ever arrived to be fully back because he got hurt way too early, in my mind, to be anointed a top-flight quarterback, made crucial mistakes in the red zone today when he was trying to bring his team back. Uh, and when they were back in the game, uh, which resulted in no points on two consecutive drives deep into Giant territory, uh, which basically wound up costing them a chance at winning the game. Giants 27, garbage touchdown uh, for the Texans to get to 22. Uh, high percentage game for Eli Manning. Uh, very good game for uh, their electric uh, rookie running back. 
And now the Giants are at one and two with their season alive. And you've got to believe with the vast numbers, excuse me, the numbers vastly against them. Uh, you start 0 3, all of the Texans, uh, your season could well be over. And is that the case also for the Oakland Raiders, who 17 7 in the second half against the Dolphins? And then the next thing you know, it's 28-17, and they're going back across the coast, and they are staring 0-3 right in the face. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much fun the old, uh, the old coach is having now that he's back, uh, but I've got to believe uh, that Coach Gruden uh, did not expect this. Yeah, I would think he's pining to get back into the booth to make – close to the same amount of money that he's making to have to put up with it on the field. He could be in the booth just looking down and able to comment on what's going on. And the Raiders were a team that we mentioned last week could have been 2-0 and to that point. This was another game that it looked like they could have taken and they weren't able to close it out. A disappointing start for them, and you're almost getting to the point where fans are probably thinking, here we go, we unloaded Khalil Mack. It's going to be a semi-rebuilding year, a semi-figuring John Gruden out, and that's probably not what they had hoped for when John Gruden came aboard. It was almost a, he's going to turn this team around, which he could conceivably still do, but it's been ugly for them to start the season. And for the Dolphins, hey, New England who? Losing right now to the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football. That could change, of course, as our show progresses. We won't get to the final score of that, but as of right now, they're alive. They're alive. And if you're the Giants, you're alive, especially after looking at what the Cowboys did in Seattle today as well. You're alive. Houston, you can see that they're coming along. The penalties today were atrocious. Oh, Taking the them on a drive. The, the penalties in the red zone. Terrible. The, the turnovers, the interception he threw. Uh, now, granted, it was a wonderful play by the linebacker, the, the, the rookie to get back there and make that interception. But you cannot underthrow that ball. That ball has got to be into the end zone where only your guy can catch it. He did have a beat by enough that if the throw leads him, it's a touchdown. Uh, that the, the Giants had that game totally in control and in the second half got incredibly conservative, the three and outs, uh, I believe four in a row, and they're right back in the game, but they, the Giants were in the process of trying to give it back to them. They wouldn't take it. They went up and down the field, and whenever it got close, uh, they could not finish drives. And, and you know, The young quarterback made some bad decisions. She said some terrible penalties. And uh, they're 0-3, and I don't know how long Bill O'Brien is for that job. Not the place that you want to be. And as we mentioned, it's difficult to anoint a quarterback as the next coming and as the savior of a team too early. And as much as we want that to happen, as much as as fans, we live in the moment, and even sports media lives in the moment and plays things game by game, Deshaun Watson was almost that last year. He was a spark. He led them to several victories. He looked like he was going to be the franchise quarterback for them, and then the injury happens. That's when you have to press pause, and it's understandable that it's going to take him a couple games this year to get the feel of the team, to get back into the groove, and these unfortunate games are going to happen. I think 
people might have jumped the gun. Let's see something first before we're excited about uh, the Texans. I, I, I have told you that from day one That's right. of our program. Now, despite that, and contrary to that, I should say, the what would have been MVP of the league comes back today and finds a way to win. Uh, not pretty by any means, uh, but the Eagles survive at home uh, behind Carson Wentz. Not a gaudy day offensively. They win the game with defense. Uh, Andrew Luck takes his team down the field. Uh, Scary-looking number in terms of the number of yards that he didn't throw for. But he's got his team inside the 10-yard line. Uh, but couldn't finish the drive. Huge play by Barnett, the number one pick from Tennessee a couple of years ago. Uh, as he sacks Luck on fourth down, just got enough of him that he caught him off balance. When he pulled away, he could not keep his balance. Down he went. And the Eagles hold on and hold off a late Colt drive uh, to get to two and one. Uh, meanwhile, the Redskins, behind their new quarterback, Alex Smith, really never in doubt against the Packers uh, on a rainy day where they jumped out early. God bless him, 33, 33 years old. I mean, the Oklahoma kid just keeps rolling along, just a freak of nature. Watching him run the football today, uh, and this was not a guy running through gaping holes. This was not a guy uh, who wasn't beating people to the spot. He looked quick. He got out in the open and ran away from people. He cut sharply. And he is, I mean, he, he is truly uh, an incredible athlete to come back from the injuries that he has had over the years and run the ball for, I believe, around six yards a carry today. I think he was 20 for 120. And a huge offensive first half for Alex Smith. They put up four touchdowns. Yet another, to me, shockingly bad regardless of what the rule reads. If, if it was called by the rule, then the rule should be destroyed. Uh, huge roughing the passer call against Clay Matthews uh, Jr. on Alex Smith. And the Redskins take care of the Packers in relatively easy fashion. Packers drop to 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Redskins uh, atop the division uh, at 2-1 and one with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm not sure what the problems might be with the Packers offense because you didn't really get the feeling there was going to be any repeat of a Chicago-esque comeback today for whatever reason that may be. And we know Aaron Rodgers is still banged up from that game, so that could have something to do with it. They can't run the football. Right. They can't run the football. And they haven't for a lot of years now. And and they can't stop anybody. Right. And when they do, (laughs) they get those roughing the passer penalties. Another egregious call we're oh, running awful. out of adjectives it, for it. It, it it's awful this one was even worse than last week's i don't I, know I, what I you do if you're a defender don't know what they want these guys to do i mean clay matthews you, you can't play the you can't rush the passer at half speed you can't get there at half speed you've got to go full speed under control sure but you got to play the game with a fury he gets there he hits Smith with his shoulder into the midsection, his helmet to the side. Now what is it? What's he supposed to do? You know, Smith still, I mean, is he not supposed to tackle him? Is he supposed to just, 
you know, run into him and, and not ramp him up? Uh, is he supposed to do it with one arm? What is he supposed to do? Lie him I mean, down gently on the grass. You know, Al, it's, you, you, it's very you can't, simple. It, they're asking them to do something that is physically impossible and still do their job because you can't play this game at full speed and then suddenly just stop what you're doing and still be able to bring a guy to the ground. And his comments <laughs> after the game were looking ahead to what this might turn into, and that's defensive players being afraid to hit the quarterback so they'll go after the football and try to strip it and cause a fumble and, and go about it that way instead of trying to avoid a 15-yard penalty by going in as they've always gone in. And that changes everything on the offensive side because now the quarterback knows if you're flying around the guard, you're going to be going for the football. All you got to do is step up. He's by you. You don't have to worry about him trying to hit you. He's just going for the football. Keep the ball away and make the pass. It's going to change far too many aspects of the game in favor of the offense, which we've already have enough in favor of the offense type things. I, the, I, don't, I don't understand it. I, I, I would think this particular tackle, especially after last week, somebody would take a step back and say, you know what, maybe we've got to tweak this thing, but in the other direction. This is ridiculous. Well, the, the ironic thing is, Johnny, is that all we heard about in the, pro, in, in the preseason, the offseason and the preseason, with the meetings between the officials and the players, is they have no idea what this new rule is with the helmet and how they're going to tackle guys, and what's going to be a penalty, what's not going to be a penalty. Guys getting booted out of games. And that has been a complete and total non-issue in the first three weeks of the season. What has been the issue are these, look, we're we're in a medium where I can say it, these sack of shit calls. These are just absolute asinine penalties. And you heard, if you listen, Joe Flacco and... Aaron Rodgers during the week say that this is this is far too much. This is a tough game. It's a physical game. Uh, Joe Flacco said, you know, part of the risk in playing this game in our game is getting hurt. Uh, that's the way it goes. That's why we get the big money. Uh, that's why the quarterbacks get paid the big money. Part of the game is being hit, being hit hard, and the risk of injury. And that's why our game is unique. And they're taking. And like I say, they're taking it out of the game. They are destroying the ability of defensive players to simply play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Cleanly, hard, proper. Not a dirty bone in any of these plays. Nothing wrong with them. Nobody got hurt. There's no risk of injury on that play. It just it, it leaves such a bad taste in your mouth for what they're trying to do to the game with this rule. Don't don't put your weight. He didn't drive him to the ground. You can't fall on a guy. Now what is it? You can't fall on a guy. Especially after they give themselves up to have that happen. Like Alex Smith isn't fighting. He's going to take the tackle. That's what 
is almost the safe way to do. You give yourself up and you know how to fall and you just take the sack. You know it's coming. You know the guy is, is most likely not going to charge you into the ground like we've seen. The majority of the guys that are getting sacks know what they're doing and they don't want it. They're not out there to severely injure the quarterback. That was not the case again today. Not anymore. Right, not, not there anymore. Was, there, there, you know, I grew up in those days. Uh, you maybe even seen it when you were very young. Right. I grew up in, in the days where, you know, kill the quarterback was a common phrase. You know, Al Davis, the quarterback must go down. They must go down hot. Right. But there were guys who would go out there and they were, they were hitting quarterbacks to hurt, them, to knock them out of the game. Now it's more so we're just trying to get them down and get them down any way we can within the rules. Well, now they, they just don't want to let you get them down within the rules. They don't want to let you get them down. You know, they want to do everything possible to, to make it impossible for you to get them down. And that's not right. That's simply not right. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Quickly on Flacco, a solid game from the Baltimore offense, even a better game from the defense. I was waiting for Denver to have one of these garbage games, and it took them till game three, where their offense just shut off after the first quarter. And the Ravens moved to two and one because of that. And quickly on Andrew Luck, I think if you're a Colts fan, today was all right. And by that, I mean he went into the defending Super Bowl championship stadium could have had a better game as far as the numbers go, but was able to take what they threw at him and was in the game with a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. And for somebody that's getting his feet still wet in this league, coming back, the announcers were making a lot too at the end of the game where Jacoby Brissett was put in to throw the Hail Mary. I didn't really think that was a big deal. Scott Hansen on Red Zone seemed to think that this was going to be some major story in the media, that they didn't trust Andrew Luck throwing the football. We've seen this before in, in other teams and other games. They'll put in the backup because he just happens to have a stronger arm. That's he exactly might right. practice that play a lot more than the starting quarterback, and the guys are used to him throwing the ball. It has nothing to do with his shoulder. It's It happens all the time. So I didn't take anything away from that. What I took away was he got out of that game healthy, at least we assume he'll play next week. We didn't hear anything injury-wise like we heard in San Francisco, unfortunately. And they were right in the game at the end of it. You hope that by, say, week 13, 14, that game goes in a different direction for Indianapolis. At least it wasn't a 30-point loss. They, they had a chance to win it at the end. I guess you can take that in week three. Indianapolis isn't very good. I don't think they're going to be very good. But to me, this year for Indianapolis is all about Unlike what we talked about with the Houston quarterback, this is much more of, in my mind, him taking this entire season to getting back to getting his legs under him, getting accustomed to the speed of the game. You know, he's been out for the better part of two seasons. And to me, this season for the Colts is all about Andrew Luck playing himself back into health, as we get into the 
even even more later, even later than the second half of the season, the final third and quarter of the season, I'm hoping by then we're going to see Andrew Luck all the way back. And if that's the case, uh, the Colts will have something, hopefully, to build on. And uh, right now it looks like the New England Patriots don't have a lot to build on. It's Tom Brady sacked again, and they are down 23-10 to 10, uh, with about 11 minutes to go. And this could be the second shocker of the day. Um, with respect to your Denver team, look, uh, the Ravens at home are always tough. They recovered from an early block. Uh, usually the Ravens specials are tremendous. They got hit with a block punt early on where uh, one of the blockers just totally fanned. Uh, Denver gets the ball at the Raiders six, uh, Ravens six and in they go. Uh, then later on they score on a uh, reverse. And that was pretty much it for the offense. Joe Flacco, as usual, not spectacular, but relatively effective. They ran the ball a little bit. Uh, Justin Tucker, simply the best kicker alive with two 50-plus field, 50-yard-plus field goals. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it a routine, but uh, a relatively uneventful 27-14 uh, Raven victory uh, as they go to 2-1 and one, uh, in a tie with... The Colts, or excuse me, the uh, the Bengals, who had a up and down, back and forth game that eventually was won by Cam Newton and company. We can say the Chiefs are for real at this point. I don't think there's any arguing that. There's a couple teams that look like they're for real. The Rams look like they're for real based on what they're able to do on the offensive side of the football. They're putting teams away by the half now. Another disappointing game for Philip Rivers and his now LA Chargers first game in LA in a long time since I believe the early 90s where two teams are playing each other from Los Angeles if you're their 49ers fan you say every novena in the book this Sunday night and hope that Jimmy Garoppolo's injury is a sprain or something that will get him back on the football field but as we know from watching those non-contact injuries you always fear the worst it seems and if you're a fan of offense, that Falcons-Saints back-and-forth video game end was a joy to watch. If you're a fan of defense, it was one where you would throw the remote control through your television, especially if you're Dan Quinn of the Falcons. I think that pretty much summarizes quickly, and unfortunately we always run into this, <laughs> some of the other games that we saw in Week 3. Well, I said to my friend, my nonsense pick of the week uh, which I did not have in my three pack. My nonsensical pick of the week I said to him uh, would be the Saints because they've played two hideous games. They get crushed at home by Tampa without their starting quarterback. They escape by the hair of their chinny chin chin against the Browns at home in a game they clearly should have lost and then they go to Atlanta now granted uh, Atlanta had a number of their defensive starters out of the game, but still, it's Atlanta. It's Matty Ice. Uh, it's in the, their brand spanking new beautiful stadium. So you would think the struggling Saints uh, would go down here, but this is the back and forth game of the day. And uh, in overtime, uh, Drew Brees takes his team the length of the field in the sole overtime possession and sneaks it over after he runs for the tying touchdown. And old folks at age 39 breaks Brett Favre's record for the most completions in league history. 
and in the meantime, gets his team to two and one, a huge uh, division win over Atlanta in overtime. And uh, as you said, Casey off and rolling with an offense that is putting up huge numbers. Patty Mahomes. Offensive uh, touchdowns to wide receivers, Al. Did you ever think we'd see the day under Andy Reid? Patty Mahomes. uh, Patrick, excuse me. uh, With the all-time record for most touchdown passes in the first three games of the season. Uh, they were up 35-7. That game actually got interesting, believe it or not, at uh, at 35-24 uh, before they put the game away. Well, I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention your Browns ending the 635-day-old streak. Finally it's amazing in the, in the NFL column. the way the Thursday night game, just once you get to Sunday, the Thursday night game seems like it is so far removed <laughs> it does. from what goes on on Sunday. Baker Mayfield ignited a city uh, just absolutely positively for one night at least uh, showed that he was worth the first pick in the draft. He came in and just lifted an entire building and all of his teammates to a complete another level. Ball out of his hands quick, snap judgments, snap decisions, uh, hitting wide receivers in the hands, on the run, showing no fear. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the Cleveland Browns have finally, at long last, won a football game and are 1-1-1 one, one, and, one, and right in the mix in the AFC North. First time they're ahead of the Steelers in the division, and the, the years escape me. But let's just say it's, it's been a long time. Let's say a long time. It's been okay. a long time. It's That's been fair. more than one season and more than two, I believe. It's probably since like 2014. I don't know the exact day. It's been a long time. <laughs> a lot of long time things ended when Cleveland finally got that win. And of course, of course, it came at the hands of the New York Jets. We wouldn't want to have it any other way. <laughs> the history books just turned another page and said, of course, we'll it's going to be very it interesting to see in the next few years uh, how many more times uh, in the regular and who knows, uh, in the postseason, if these two young quarterbacks uh, at the top of the draft get a chance to face off against each other again. And we said it's far too early to crown anyone anything, but just looking around the league, you can feel it ever so slightly that when the Bradys and the Breezes and the Roethlisbergers end up retiring and this new regime ends up coming to the front, it's not going to be that bad. I think we're going to have some fun with it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So college football had its own fair share of upsets on Saturday and in the week in general. Shockingly, though, 1 through 10 survived unscathed, and the final nail in the coffin to that was Stanford somehow escaping Uh. the Oregon Ducks. (laughs) And that's a little tease for the six-pack segment. Aside from Virginia Tech having one of the worst losses potentially in ACC history, 
knocking down Sirius XM's ACC radio, a slight peg, losing to Old Dominion, one of the worst losses in a 10-year span for the way both teams were ranked and the odds for that game. Not, not the best look for the Hokies. But Stanford had no business leaving Oregon with a victory, and the Ducks did everything they possibly could to make what was assuredly a cover into, as Scott Van Peltz lovingly says, a bad beat. Well, and, and remember, this game was game day at Stanford, an absolutely dominant stand, uh, uh, excuse me, at Oregon, at Alston Stadium, an absolutely dominant performance by the Ducks, who were up 24-7 and on their way in to make it 31-7. And I guess I don't know the college rules, because what looked like 31-7 on the pylon was con- determined to be out of bounds on the pylon. So a touchdown turns into a non-touchdown. And on that series, instead of the Ducks finishing the drive, they botch a, a shotgun snap that gets picked up and returned for a touchdown. The length of the field and 31-7 is now 24-14, new game. And despite that, the Ducks are in a position to run out the clock and instead of taking a knee and maybe having to punt the ball with a couple seconds to go or have the punter run around and out of the end zone with a couple seconds to go and still have the cover since they were getting a couple points, they run the ball and in battling for the first down, uh, the kid fumbles and unbelievably, uh, Stanford recovers. They kick the game tying field goal. They win in overtime. And that is simply as bad a beat as AWP has taken in, I would say, the last decade. And the unfortunate part was you were even still alive come overtime. Plus three. Could have got out of there, them winning by a field goal somehow. No. Not to be. That'll, no, that'll get us into our six pack segment where Alan myself before, but, oh, but before we do that we must give a shout out to the black knights of the Hudson you said the top 10 escaped but when it comes to escapes not only was Stanford's one that shouldn't have happened let's stand up and shout for our fighting men of army who went in to Boomer Sooner and took the Sooners to overtime right. before succumbing 28-21, all right? They threw the wishbone at them, long, time-consuming drives, and they gave the suitors the scare of their lives before Oklahoma won at 28-21 in overtime. Now we go to the fabled six-pack. Another, I wish I, wish I could have a full six-pack week by week, but we haven't gotten there yet. We could start with Mr. Allen White Plains, as people know from the show, and start with the unfortunate plus three Oregon game day look to be in the bag. As we know, it never ends up working that way, especially when it's on a show like this, especially when there's some excitement. As you mentioned, the only thing you had going for you is there was an actual cash on the game. <laughs> Thankfully, thankfully, it was just a six-pack, and it was Monopoly money. Uh, I believe I went one and two, and you went 
one and two as well because uh, you lost the big Alabama, correct me if I'm wrong, garbage touchdown, got you there. Yep, 26 uh, and a half, but I had said let's be proven wrong with Bama. They've been blowing teams out until they don't. Give me these huge spreads, the first one to fall. Clemson was good to you? Clemson right. was good to me, and then I went with one of the last games of the evening in Hawaii because Colin in Tampa – who you might also know as Uberfal for Morning Men listeners, mm-hmm. called into one of the later night programs, Mr. Scott Wetzel hosting Opposite Picks, and as part of his contest to see which team would score the most points, he had picked Hawaii over Old Dominion to throw you know 80 on the field, whatever the number would be. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll take that huge spread, which I didn't even think they would actually have a number for on ESPN, but they put one down, and I checked the score with about halfway through the fourth quarter. Hawaii had 35. They would have had to be winning 35 nothing to have the spread be alive. They were not. So that's the reason I went that way. Didn't quite work out, one and two. My other two picks were in... in uh one in good shape very early on, and for a good chunk of the game, I, I laid a ton of wood with Miami because I figured once again they were going to beat up on a lesser opponent. They were up 31 nothing for the longest time, uh, but they never got past 31. That wound up being a 31-17 final against Florida International. And uh, I laid the three in Iowa uh, with Wisconsin, who in a back-and-forth game uh, came back, took the lead, and then put it away 28-17 in Iowa City. On to the NFL we go, where I was a brutal one and two. <laughs> and I say brutal because my two losses were never, ever competitive. Uh, the Packers, uh, I laid the three against the Skins. We said earlier that the Packers were never in the game. They never had a chance to cover that number. Um, quite realistically, uh, Houston, even though they were coming back, never had a chance to cover the six. I fell for, for Bill O'Brien's club at home, saving their season. Uh, Giants embarrassed me there. I did go with my, my POD. I'm just going to keep playing Kansas City. I'm playing Kansas City every week. Until <laughs> you might as well. And we could play the Kansas City over as a team until that doesn't hit. I don't know if it hit today, but... They've been blowing it out of the water when it comes to their offense to get the season started here, and they're a team that you could definitely ride until the till that ends up not being the case, which happened with me in Alabama. The first two and one week of 2018 for myself. Unfortunately, the Eagles were playing come from behind and were not going to win by a touchdown at the stage where they made their comeback. I needed six and a half. That was not going to happen. You did mention earlier in the show that it might have been wise to throw down on the Bills. I like to be a person that would go the opposite direction and throw that 17 with the Vikings. Thankfully, for whatever reason, better heads prevailed. Give me the 17 points. I didn't need them, but they were nice to have. And the Panthers, just giving away three, end up winning by 10 in a, that was a decent game. Plot. That was an excellent play that I was thinking about joining you on. And I was just you know, a, a little leery of it being an anti, 
AFC North pick because, you know, I root against the AFC North because I'm a Raven fan. So I was a little fearful of going against the Bengals simply because I want them to lose. Uh, and that was a back and forth game early on. Uh, but Carolina played very well. Um, and that's a real good win for them at home. And right now, uh, what you could probably argue is as long as Tampa's going to play at least somewhat successfully, not 14 and two, but to go out there and be competitive every week, I think you have to make the argument that that's the best division in the NFL right now. Couple minutes left and more than enough time in that couple minutes to let you give a weekly annual report on your St. Louis Cardinals because in the wild card race of the National League, things are getting quite exciting, Al. Quite exciting to say the least. This is as hot as it can get now. We've, we've got a week to go uh, in the regular season and uh, after sweeping the San Francisco Giants at home, unfortunately for the Cardinals, they gained no ground on any of the teams they are competing against. Uh, they did, I, I take that they did pick up one game on Milwaukee, who won two or three against Pittsburgh. But uh, I was hoping as a Cardinal fan that Arizona could suck it up and win one game at home uh, in the three-game series against uh, Colorado. And after Colorado got swept in Los Angeles, they came right back and won three in Arizona. So as we go into the final week of the season, the Cardinals have six left starting tomorrow, three at home against Milwaukee, where they trail by two for the first wild card. They are nursing a one-and-a-half game lead over the Rockies for that second wild card spot. The Rockies have one more game to play. Uh, the Rockies have all seven at home. They start with four against Philly. They finish at home with three against Washington. After the three games against Milwaukee, the Cardinals go to Chicago to finish their season. So it is going to be a wild and wooly finish in the National League. Uh, it looks like uh, the Cubs are in really good shape for the division. The West's still up for grabs. That game-and-a-half lead that the Cardinals have over the Rockies is the same game-and-a-half lead that the Dodgers have over the Rockies. And uh, the Dodgers finished their season in hated San Francisco. And you know if that is still in the hat, the Giants will be looking to do everything they can to spoil the Dodgers season. But it is still in the hat for – it will be very hard for Milwaukee to fall out of the wild cards here unless they are swept by the Cardinals. Um, so worst-case scenario – you are looking at uh, three teams for two spots, Cardinals, Dodgers, Rockies, uh, as they battle for the second wild card and the NL West division title. In the American League, to update as a Yankees fan, it will be a nail-biting week in the sense of it's not as nail-biting as the National League teams have to deal with, but Yankees fans still are dying to get that home field advantage. And Oakland sits just a game and a half out with seven games remaining. And I believe as of yesterday, 
If the Yankees finish their last eight games five and three, Oakland would have to go eight and zero in order to overtake them and get that home field. Yankees, of course, lose to the Orioles on Sunday in that last game. Now play the Rays and unfortunately have to play three games against the Red Sox to close out the season. Games that I had hoped would have meant something coming in, but they will not. As Boston has clinched their third consecutive. Oh, they'll mean, so, they'll mean something, just not, just not as it pertains to the division title. Right, and not in the sense of Yankees Red Sox, but in the sense of we have to fend off the A's. So my the and best case scenario is sweep the Rays, and then you probably only just have to take one in Fenway. But we know that's probably not going to be the case. And after last night's headfirst slide into home, which for some reason the best players in the world in their sport still continue to do and risk injury every time they do it. Uh, the bigger question with respect to the New York Yankees is to whether or not they're going to have their shortstop at full strength for the postseason because uh, Didi, uh, it looks like, has torn cartilage in that left wrist. Yep. After not, the not good. Slide home. Not and good. That, that does not bode well for him being 100% for the postseason, if he can play at all. Right. Uh, so, MRI pending, and that is because he is a huge part of the Yankee offense. He's had a terrific year uh, on both sides of the ball, and I'm sure Yankee fans are holding their breath uh, with the results of that MRI, and, and also how much he's going to play these last few games to get ready for the playoffs. Al, it's always a pleasure. Fingers crossed for both of us that by this time next week, as baseball fans, we are both satisfied with our respective teams, but we know no matter what, we will be satisfied in getting to talk about the sports that will have happened by next Sunday night and looking forward to chatting about it with you again. So for chaos, I don't. I just somehow, someway want to find my Cardinals <laughs> in, in the postseason. Uh, but until next week, everybody basking in Tiger Woods' return, to the victory stand. We will speak to you uh, and hope to hear from you all next week. Johnny, have a great week. Always a pleasure. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>